Let's hear the word of the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. Father, we want to thank you for your heart for us this morning. We want to thank you for what you want to do individually, uniquely, in each and every life within this building. That it's your desire that your very heart, your very self, would pulsate within us. Grant us your spirit this morning, Lord, as we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Gee, can I have a little... Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Am I allowed to say that in this place? <laughs> Wow, the Lord is good, is he not? Do I hear an amen? amen? I do. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you so much for the privilege that I can come and uh, be with you again and address this morning in this series. Uh, the Holy Spirit hears more. Hears more. Anyone else want to say yes to that? Amen. Yes. And we want to provide an opportunity this morning where you will be able to enter into what the Lord Jesus Christ will is for you, and that is that you would be filled with the Spirit. We're providing a whole lot of opportunities where you might enter into that. It's the Pentecost pause next Saturday night, 7.25. We have a Sunday morning prayer out here, turn up five minutes before 9 o'clock. We have act studies going during the week. Our young, young people are asking questions in the youth. We're looking forward to praying for the children in the kids' ministry. And then Thursday week, we have a midweek uh, Zoom prayer, and then after the service today, we will have our pastors, what we call the prayer core team, and ministry leaders here at the front to pray for you that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit according to the Lord Jesus Christ's desire for you. There's also going to be ministry leaders around the place. You know who they are if you've been around a little while, and feel free, absolutely free, to go and approach them and say, Would you pray for me that I would be filled with the Spirit like Jesus wants me to be? So we've been through the series, and uh, you find them on YouTube. Pastor Paul and Pastor Sharon have led us in uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to bring us understanding. And today we enter into a section of it called Experience, and I'll be talking to you about the reception of the Holy Spirit and Pastor Paul on Pentecost Sunday. When we come into the round here and in a different setting, we'll be talking about infilling of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit. So reception of the Holy Spirit, and let me say uh, three or four things uh, beforehand. We haven't been in this area for uh, some time exploring what it is to receive the Holy Spirit. So we're at very different places and different understandings. We have people that are just here today for the first time, and we have people here that have been here. You would see them all of their life. Sounds like they're going to die here, actually. They've got no, no reason to be moving on anywhere. So we've got different age groups. We've got different circumstances. We've got people in crisis. We've got people here that are life's just humming along. So you won't understand and you won't remember uh, everything I've got to say to you today. So this is what I want you to do, because you can always go back and watch it again on YouTube. I want you to wait for that thing and watch for that thing, which is loud for you. I call it loud for you. You might find it brings a tear. You might find it a little jerk inside you somewhere unexpectedly in your emotions. You might be found thinking about that even though I keep on speaking. Because the Spirit of God is in the room and he's going to be speaking to you in an individual way. And there probably will not be two people here that come out of the service and say, oh, that was what spoke to me. So watch for that word which comes to you, which is important to you. That's the most important thing that you do. Not that you're able to memorize everything that I, that I say today. And I want you to take that thing that is said to you, and I want you to hold it in your mind, 
and allow it to contradict every contrary thought that you had in your mind that would say that that's untrue. That you pull down that stronghold of thinking that's established within you by the word that suddenly resonates within your spirit. And you know it's not an old guy on the platform. You know it's the spirit of the Lord stirring within you, speaking to you, because he's here, more passionate about you being whole and being everything that you can be. So wait for that word to come and grasp it. Secondly, know that not everything that I say today I've experienced. I don't put myself on the platform here as the paragon of what everybody ought to be. Come on, you've got to be kidding. In fact, it would be demeaning of the Holy Spirit if I only spoke from within the confines of my small, transient life. And it would be perhaps even blasphemous for me to speak in terms of what we as a congregation have experienced of the Holy Spirit. So I will be speaking outside of that to honour him and not speaking from inside the security of this is what I can say and feel safe about. And I will be speaking in a way in which is outside of what we may feel safe and comfortable about as well. But it's right for us to honour him as he is, not as we prefer him to be. He's larger than what we think, thirdly. There is that which is beautiful that you've encountered, and I hope I can point some of that out to you and bring it to your remembrance. But he's larger. God the Holy Spirit. We weren't there when God the Holy Spirit blew across the chaos with awesome wonder, and the earth was formed. We were not the ones there in the upper room when Jesus breathed upon faces and heard him say to us, receive the Holy Spirit. And felt such an overwhelming compulsion within us that we would travel to the ends of the world and prefer death than deny him. We haven't been the ones that have been tied to a stake with the Holy Spirit of God within us and being challenged to deny Christ or burn and with absolute conviction with his heart beating within ours we have said I prefer Christ and we haven't been the ones in a time of revival where we've seen walk past people walk past the place of profound presence of God and find them drop to their knees because of the presence of the Lord in the place and suddenly be struck with how apparent is their choices are so dislodged from what God has for them God the Holy Spirit is more than what I've experienced and God the Holy Spirit is more than what any of us have experienced and we're here to talk about him. Now, when I say that, um, in the, early in the series, in the second, second week, we spoke about the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit not only is a person, but he treats us personally. He knows where we're at. He knows where we're at better than we <laughs> know where we're at. And there's 25 different names for the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures. Because he just doesn't come as a blur. He knows precisely how to meet us. Where we are. How we are. In a way that we can receive it. That is right and good. And timely for us. So we're not going to say to you. This is how you receive the Holy Spirit. Fit into our model. Or this is what he's doing with us. And it has to be for you. Now, God the Holy Spirit is going to be moving across the congregation. He knows what you need. And he has a love for you that is divine, all loves excelling. Indeed, when you find the love of God for you, all other loves that you thought was love begin to pale in significance. This is the love that you want. And he knows how to meet you. He knows where you are. 
And he knows where we are as a congregation at Clayton Church of Christ with what we need, with what is good, with where we're at, with what we can receive. So God the Holy Spirit, as it were, reaches into the, his wardrobe which that, for that which is exactly the right size that is kept for you. And he takes it out of his wardrobe to put on you that you might be clothed with that which fits for what he's got for you. Clothed with himself. So the passage that we're looking at comes from Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 18. And it says, the imperative, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the text that we've got on the board, on the screen, on the wall, whatever you want to say. Have a look anyway. This, when it says it's the Lord's will, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if it's the Lord Jesus Christ that you would be filled with the Spirit, what would you be expecting from the hand of the one that preferred to be crucified than you to go to an endless non-eternity? What would you expect from the Lord? This is the Lord's will that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not for the people that are foolish. This is not for the people that are a little bit crazy, a little bit weird. Sometimes I feel I'm one of them. A little bit unhinged, a little bit psychologically wanting. The people that are a bit bizarre, they've had their issues in life. No, in fact, the scripture says it's the other way around. We are foolish if we do not think we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That that's not our thing, oh, that's not the way we're wired, that's not the way we do things around here, surely that's for everybody else. That's the foolish way of thinking. Foolish is the person that thinks that they can live the Christian life out of their own strength. Foolish is the person that thinks that they can live the Christian life not being filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's an imperative. It's not an alternative, if you feel like it. Oh, one day maybe. Oh, perhaps in a most emotional moment, when I go to a conference. No. It's an imperative from our Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means every one of them, every one of here is the will of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had a look at uh, this little symbol called the triectra. See, I'm, I cannot say a triquetra when I get on the platform. I can say triquetra all of the week. I get on the platform, I can't say triquetra. We've seen this symbol a couple of weeks ago. as a symbol of um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you put your finger on the anywhere within the triquetra and round around, it's an endless it's eternal as God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is. It's a symbol of the Trinity. I think there's a hymn that has, I think there's a hymn that has a, word, a line in it, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. <laughs> and so in the symbol of the Triquetra, we see, we see the intermingling of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nothing is done by the Holy Spirit that the Father and the Son is not involved with. Remember, I spoke to you about baptism. Jesus is baptized. Jesus is baptized. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. And the Holy Spirit comes down as done. As All are involved with that. Now, as we come to this passage in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll notice within this passage, you'll see the Father, you see the Son, and you see the Holy Spirit. This is not some wacky, weird thing off the side that does not come from God. Some weird spiritual thing from way ever. No, this is, this is something that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are together involved with as 
the scripture says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the experience of these people that don't have any scripture at all. This is the encounter that they're having that they write down about. No scripture yet, no memorization of verses or anything. This is just how they encounter God. So all of the Trinity is involved with this filling of God, God the Holy Spirit, within our lives. And you remember last time we had a look at uh, the triquetra and there was a little circle of, uh, around it as well. Thank you. And we, up, we, we suggested that that little circle going around the triquetra is the love that happens within the Trinity. So Jesus says, uh, the Father has given all things to me. And Jesus says, well, it's better for me to go, so the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit says, well, it's not about me, I kind of glorify Jesus. And Jesus gives things all back to the Father. There is this amazing love, which is not as human love, but it's a love that prefers the honour and the good and the outstanding essence of the other. Preferring the other in generosity. Yes, let it be about you. Let it be about you. Let it be about you. Seeking the good of the other. A divine sort of love. So different from, from our own sort of love. And so when God the Holy Spirit is, comes into our life and fills us, it is he who is love like this that comes into us. As it says in Romans chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 5, God the Holy Spirit pours the love of God into our heart. Pause. It's like me getting a bucket of water here and just going on the ground. That's what the Greek means. It's not a trickle. It's not a sprinkle. It's not God bless you, be baptized a little. This is the love of God, the very essence of God coming within our realm and our very, very self. Now that brings, have a look at the scripture, Ephesians 5, that brings change to our worship and it brings change to our world. Let's first see the change that it brings for our worship. Look at the scripture. Look at the word of God. You see spontaneous songs being sung. Song in the heart, you find yourself filled with the spirit. There's just a song of gratefulness and delight in the Lord. Just wells up there and you wake up in the morning and there it is. And also spontaneous songs. You hear people sometimes spontaneously, as you have this morning, sing on the platform. Just coming out of a full and lovely spirit. Well, just wanting to honour and love and love the Lord. Love the Lord. And you notice it says one another in there. Because this is not about coming along and, and wondering whether the spirit of God is going to be on the speaker or the vicar or the priest well, it's all about them. No, it's one another because the Spirit of God is now upon the people and the people of Him. And they're in ministry together. Like it says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, I will pour out my Spirit upon manservants and maidservants, upon the men, upon the women. And it's not a question of whether we want to turn up to church on Sunday or get off the couch and be here. We have a desire within us that we want to build other people up because we're in ministry. I can remember leaving uh, the people in my first church I passed it absolutely querulous. That means, uh, Wade, that means I'm wondering what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> When I would write a little thing in the church paper in the bottom and I'd say, you're assistant to the ministry. What? We hired you as the pastor. What are you doing, assistant to the ministry? No, the ministry is yours. Yours. You see in the passage, the ministry is to one another as they speak of the praise of the Lord and how good he is, building one up in holy love. It makes a whole different change. Within the way that we worship, there's an intensity there. There's an intimacy there. This is about me and God the Almighty in his spirit has appointed me in the congregation to be a minister to others. It's not turning up to the best church. No. It's about me ministering to someone else. Not what I'm getting out of the place. So it makes a change to the worship. And then... It makes a change to our world in which we live in. 
Now, you can't see it on the screen. It'd be good if you had a paper Bible. I know I'm the only person in the house with a paper Bible. I know that. Oh, Paul, God bless you. Pastor Chi, three of us, three of us. You can't see it on the screen and you won't see it on your iPhone, but it continues through uh, Ephesians chapter, chapter 5. After the worship, it then begins to address our world, our marriage, our home, and our workplace. Firstly, it says, this is the sort of love that's going to happen. Verse 21. And then 22, it starts to talk about the way that women begin to move within a marriage when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it begins to talk about the way men move within a marriage when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul makes it really clear. It's not just about you trying hard. It's about you beginning to love with the love that the Father has put within you. It says Jesus loves. It says Jesus loves the Father. Now it's in you by the Holy Spirit. It's in your marriage. And that makes it a whole lot different from us fighting about who's in charge. I'm going to be a little rescued now, Pastor G. The Asian couple have just been married next door and their auntie brings them into my place. And the auntie says that this new married couple brings them in for some counselling. And uh, she says to Esther and I, she says, Now, you two have been married for a long time. This new married couple, tell me who's on top. What she meant was... (laughs) And it was the only thing that I thought about. was who's in charge. When one is filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a whole different dimension going on rather than just who's in charge. There's a whole different dimension going on with who's got rights. There's a whole different dimension going on about and instead of just equality. This is a marriage when God loves as God loves, preferring and honouring and giving to the other. And that's a different marriage. Then chapter 6 comes along, they start, he starts to talk about children and child raising and the difference that sort of makes. All flowing out of be filled with the Spirit and this is what it's going to look like in your world. Not just in worship. It's going to make it flow into your marriage. It's going to flow into your family. And we, as I said in prayer ministry training, often expect our kids to behave in a certain godly way but we never say anything about the Holy Spirit of God. Is who is the one that makes them behave that way. And so how wise for them to come in here today and be at the front here. Because that's when they pick up that love of God that begins to infiltrate and change their behaviour in ways that by our discipline and our mere love cannot. Be filled with the Spirit. Let it flow into your marriage. Let it flow into your children, in your child rearing. And then in chapter 6, verse 5, it talks about the workplace. It talks about the career, the employer, the employee. Let it flow there. And then at the end, at the end of Ephesians, it talks about there's going to be opposition to that spiritually because it's a spiritually engendered world that you're now living in, flowing through your marriage, your child rearing and your workplace. It will have opposition. So then it talks about the armour of God. But in case we haven't lost it, 5.18 says be filled with the Spirit of God and he comes back to it to say all of this happens animated by the Spirit of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. All of life discipleship. All of life is to be motivated and animated by the Spirit of God. In our worship, we'll be, we'll be uh, intense and intimate. And in our world, it'll be intentional, purposeful. It won't just be huddled away in worship, here is me, feeling smug. And it won't be, let's be a nice, kind person out in the world so people think well of us. No, it'll be God, the Spirit, being regenerating us by the love, the sort of love that he has in our worship and then in our world. So receiving the Holy Spirit. I think I'm supposed to be talking about that this morning, aren't I? <laughs> receiving the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've heard about seven prayers 
all telling the Lord that I'm, Ron's supposed to speak clearly today. So, <laughs> so I've got to be really clear, all right, for the people that have just walked in. How do you receive the Spirit? Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Uh, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Not complicated, yeah? Is that clear? How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that? Uh, what do you have to do to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Simple enough, clear enough, right? Got it? How do you, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You? Come on, I'm just an old guy on the platform. Help me out here. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh, there you go. All right. But there's been some people around here that have been hanging around thinking about this thing for a little while. And so they've got deeper questions than that. And I just want to explore something of that if possible. And I want to honour the way in which different people have received the Holy Spirit. I want to commend them for it. And I want to perhaps give them a caution as well. And I'm here every week. Uh, I'm, I'm over here. You probably know my face even if uh, I haven't recognised you. Come say hello sometime. And as far as I'm concerned, I pick up across the congregation that there would be four major ways in which people uh, recognise that the Holy Spirit should be or can be received. So I want to look quickly at each of those in a way of honouring of them, commending, but then again giving caution. And the first way that I see amongst you would, would be that the Holy Spirit is received by faith. I see a nodding head. The second way that I see in the congregation that it's received by a surrender. The third way I see across the congregation would be that it comes from a further post-conversion work which brings about holiness. And then a fourth, the fourth way of receiving the Holy Spirit in, I see in the congregation is that, that there's a second work of God, the Holy Spirit, after conversion that's, that is an empowerment. So let's quickly just look at some of those. They are not in any order of this one is best. There's not this you should be doing this one or you should be doing this one. It's an understanding that might help you appreciate where different people are and maybe even help you understand where you are yourself. So the first one, receiving the Holy Spirit by, by faith. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, does not belong to Christ, is the key verse for this way of receiving the Holy Spirit. That it's there. And historically, traditionally by churches of Christ, there's always been that understanding that the Holy Spirit is received at that time, whether it be in a small group at the end of a service like today, where you come down the aisle at the, end of the, at the end of the service and someone asks you, do you believe and accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord, your Master? And do you quit self-reliance and now that he is your Saviour? And you say yes to that. And implicitly, churches of Christ have had the position that you receive the Holy Spirit at that point of your public confession. If not, then it will be when we baptise people. Now, you will notice that we you, you very rarely for you, I, don't, I haven't seen it, that you will find anyone that has, makes their public confession of Christ then said, let me pray for you that the Holy Spirit might come upon you. Or when a person is baptised, I haven't seen it in this place, where someone would say, now let me pray for you that you might receive the Holy Spirit. There's an implicit understanding that it's not spoken of, but it is there. It's within your life. If anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to him. So we can grow up in a, in a situation where the Holy Spirit is not even mentioned at all, but it doesn't mean that he's not at work. It means that he showed you Jesus Christ in the first place and the significance that he's the only name given under heaven by which you might be saved and put together in an eternal way. It was him that showed you that. It was him that propelled you out of your seat to a place where he said, yes, this morning, there's no other name I need to receive Jesus Christ here this morning and put my faith in him. It was him that helped you in that time of stress and difficulty when it felt like your world was falling apart. 
It was him that guided you in that moment when you were perplexed and helped you say no to that situation that you knew was not right for you. He's been there protecting you in ways that you haven't seen. He's the one that opens the scripture for you sometimes. and You see it in a new way and you're listening and you're hearing, yes, I see that, that's new for me. That's God the Holy Spirit at work within the room within you. And in a myriad of ways, he's been at work within you. And when we start to talk about God the Holy Spirit, you say, well, what are you talking about? No, he's been there in all of these situations. But maybe you haven't known that it's him that's been facilitating all of them. He's the one that makes what Christ has accomplished happen in your life. Now, the Holy Spirit has been called the shy person of the Trinity. That's an interesting title, the shy person of the Trinity. And maybe because you haven't recognized it was God the Holy Spirit at work within your life by faith, is that he's always pointing to Jesus. Always in that deferential love that always prefers the other, pointing away from himself. But he's there. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, don't you know that you are the temple that God the Holy Spirit dwells within you as one that belongs to Jesus Christ is there even if you have not recognized who it was and who's been ministering to him you can say thank you Lord now if you like thank you Lord it's you and so with the Holy Spirit of God within you, by faith, you would say, well, what are these people talking about when they're praying, come Holy Spirit, isn't he within me? But he's not a stone you pick up in your pocket. And I've got. And we may think that we have the Holy Spirit, but my caution is this, as I affirm your stance of faith, because you'll need that faith in him, because there will come times when you wonder whether God is even there at all. When the world tumbles in and it's beep, it'll be by faith that you continue on. I commend you for that stance that you receive the Holy Spirit by, by faith. But my caution is this though. Do you have the Holy Spirit or does the Holy Spirit have you? Secondly, within the congregation, there are those that receive the Holy Spirit by faith. There are those that receive it by surrender. Scripture, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy, in view of the mercies of God, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Surrender. That's the key word for uh, the Keswick movement of receiving the Holy Spirit. Indeed, the Belgrade Heights Convention is going to be on uh, next Friday and Saturday. Adrian and Simon are going to be there. I encourage you to get with the, I can't say boys, I've got to say men, is that right? Get with the, the Belgrave Heights started out what's called the Keswick movement. And Keswick movement was a Let's get out of this vanilla every day, go to church, blah, Christianity. Let's get rid of this obligation of having to hang around to keep our seat in heaven. Isn't there somewhere else that we can go? How do we enter into all that Jesus Christ has given to us? And this was the Keswick movement. They would go off for times of Bible teaching together and they would eat, they would eat, eat together within the, in, uh, in the convention. And so on the first day, they would look at uh, sin. Very much like Ignatian Catholic theology and process. On the second day, they would look at what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And the third day, they would consider surrender. Surrender was their key word. That you need to surrender and, as it were, make a place in the forest of activities for God to actually come land and do something. Surrender. So that God is not in the cracks between all the things that we have to do and all the necessary things that we think are more valuable. God's not in the after when we get all of jobs done, but God hears the map, how do you want it to be? That's surrender. And so they would sing this in their hymns. Um, 
little chorus. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Saviour, I surrender all. You want to see? <laughs> I surrender Sing it again to him. I surrender. I surrender. Oh, to him, I surrender. Surrender would mean that you would go into full-time Christian ministry. Now we understand that the Christian ministry can be within the congregation and out in the world. But for the Keswick movement, if it was surrendered, you were in Christian ministry. That was it. Ultimate surrender was that you'd be a missionary. So as they sang surrender, they were ready for a call from God to be in Christian ministry. In the last church that I was senior minister of, over a period of, I forget, 12, 13 years, we had 5% of the congregation moved into full-time Christian ministry. Men and women, another full-time missionary that Gordon Sisley knows that ministered in the Northern Territory. We had church planters and people that went to regional, interstate and suburban churches fully qualified as ministers. Now, God does different things and we're not to compare. What's that got to do with us? Nothing really. It's for us to say yes to what God is doing here. But if God was doing 5% of a congregation of this size, sending them into full-time ministry every six months, we'd be out the front here with our hands on someone saying, I commission you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for this high privilege you have of speaking of the love of God in Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. We see you as ordained, God-commissioned. Go well with our love. And then 26 weeks later, we would have another one. And 26 weeks, another one. Now, that's my experience in ministry. It doesn't have to be here. But it causes me to look around the congregation and say, well, where are you? I'm watching for you. Where is that man? Where is that woman being called into full-time Christian ministry in a church of this size? So as we pray for the children out here and we pray for them at 9 o'clock, I'm standing there with a list of names and I'm saying, Lord, where's the apostles? Where's the prophets? Where's the evangelists? Where's the pastors? Where's the teachers? Where's the one that wants the highest call to respond to whatever area that they have in by our Lord Jesus Christ? But where's the one you're calling to be a voice within a darkening age? I'm looking for you. You may be over 45 and so was the man in my pastor's professional development course that his whole life had spent as a secondary school teacher with a thousand kids but then decided, no, this is not really what I want to do with my life even though I can do it competently. He went off to train in ministry. He was in one of my classes and had a beautiful succession of ministries and a much-loved pastor. Or maybe you're in a university situation or maybe you're in a high school situation where you're doing it, but it's just not buzzing. Not buzzing. Something about that is just not you. You know that I spent um, two of the finest years in my, my life in year 10. You know now. Confession. But then I found something worth studying and learning about. And if it's not ticking for you in the university or whatever, is it God calling you to something? Calling you to surrender. And so the Keswick movement, as they sought to make room for God to do what he wants to do, they would have a seven-point program just to make it simple for people to be able to surrender. 
And in their, I'm not going to go through all of them, but in the 1901 conference leaflet, they listed a seven-step process for receiving the Holy Spirit. And number one will be enough for us to look at. The first step in receiving the Holy Spirit through this means of surrender was to immediately abandon every known sin and doubtful indulgence. Is that where you're at? Have you done that? Or just going to church? That's how you make room for God the Holy Spirit. So you have two, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We can provide that for you sometime if you wish. Reception of the Holy Spirit through surrender. My word of caution. Do not be constantly looking within for that new thing to surrender with self-examination perpetually. But also look up at the loving Father whose pleasure it is to place within you his very life of God the Holy Spirit. So there are those that we honour and we respect in the place that receive the Holy Spirit by faith. There are those that we honour and respect in the place that receive the Holy Spirit through surrender. Thirdly, holiness. It comes a movement out of Methodism and Wesleyanism where there's a belief in a second action of the Holy Spirit. And it begins to move mightily. William Booth is one of these people. Salvation Army still conduct holiness meetings. Charles Finney was another, the great revivalist. He said that being filled with the Holy Spirit was absolutely essential and indispensable for any Christian minister to have success. And then there was Dwight D.L. Moody, who was having an amazing time, who found upon his desk... 15,000 signatures requesting that he come and minister. And this in 1898, those 15,000 signatures came from the city of Melbourne. He died the year before he had come. And his replacement was Reuben, Reuben Torrey. Reuben writes that he arrived in Melbourne in 1902... And there was 40,000 people waiting for him, wanting to know about what they called a baptism in the Holy Spirit with emphasis upon the holy, purity, being fine, even some Christian perfection before the law. And so they opened the the meetings in the Melbourne Town Hall that said 7,000 people. And at that time, they had 50 different uh, evangelists going around. They hired theatres, they rented halls, they put up circuses, circus tents. They ministered in regional. And the Melbourne Town Hall was filled with people. And they couldn't fit them all in. So they moved to the Royal Exhibition Buildings. The Royal Exhibition Buildings had been used the year before for the commencement of Federal Parliament. This 8,000... Cedar Auditorium was not enough. 15,000 people turned up every night from a city of 1.2 million. And I'm talking about our city. And I'm talking about what the Spirit of God that we don't yet realize can do in our city. Calls for Reuben to come came from Sydney and he spoke in their town hall. Calls from Tasmania. Calls from New Zealand. They counted in one week that these meetings in 1902, that 250,000 people tried to attend. Don't expect me to talk about God, the Holy Spirit, as if he's a stray cat that I take into my place and pet down and comfort. Happy that he goes to sleep and calls no one nonsense. By the time that Tory left, there was 9,000 people that gave their life to Christ. He went and ministered in New Zealand. By the time he left and went back with a friend called Alexandra to Ireland, and it was, started the Irish 
revival, 20,000 people had given themselves to Christ. This is God, the Holy Spirit at work within our city. Now, is there anybody in the room that wants to say, Lord, do it again? Is there anyone in the room that wants to say, Lord, do it again? Anyone? Anyone want to stand up before heaven right here and say, Lord, do it again? Thank you. You may be seated. The Lord sees you. Receiving the Holy Spirit through faith, through surrender, through what's called the second baptism in holiness, or fourthly, a baptism by empowerment. Pentecostalism, that's called. When Agnes, in that little Bible college in Topeka, Kansas, first spoke in the Spirit, she thought... It was a language to tell other people about Jesus. And as different people spoke within that Bible college and William Seymour went off to Los Angeles and Azusa Street, they were all under the compulsion that this was God, the Holy Spirit, giving them a language just to speak about Jesus. And the way it would go like this, you'd speak in the Spirit, someone trying to find out what language it was. Secondly, they want to know whether you had a call Thirdly, whether you're prepared to say yes, and then because they knew it was the last hour and in the last days God's spirit would be poured about on all flesh, all men, all women, they were gone within hours or within days to tell people about Jesus. Two-thirds of those people that went out on missionary service were women. Before women's suffrage, before anything about women's liberation, it was the women that were the church planters it was the women that were the pastors. It was the women that were evangelists. I'm watching for you, ladies. I'm watching for you. What can the Spirit of God do with you? Don't wait for the guys. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the experience of some here that gives them a liberty just to speak of Jesus. And they are the most effusive people in this place that want to speak of Jesus, I know. But here's the caution. Don't get stuck up with your spirituality. You haven't got anything that hasn't been given to you. So receiving the Holy Spirit, let's come back to simplicity. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who... Is that what you're doing within your heart right now? Because Holy Spirit, He is more. More than what we've encountered, more than we have encountered. Vastly beyond. Ask Him now in the seat right where you are. Say, Holy Spirit, here I am. We're going to do it together, actually, verbally. Repeat after me, Holy Spirit, here I am. And here are you. I thank you that what you are, what you're like. I thank you that you want to take residence within my life. Come, Lord, this can be your home. Come, Lord. Just you.
for you to say yes and you can express that by coming down the front here and just kneeling if you wish or come and stand sit on the seat but the Lord is listening for your reply the Lord's watching for how you respond we will pray for you how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask but he will never come to you in a way where he's not invited. Never come and push his way in. It's for you to say yes, and here's the moment, and it's right now. You come.